And now, another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And now, your host, Dane Adams. Yes, yes, yes. Another amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys so much for joining us this Thursday. We have a, a whopping of a good time for you tonight. So, give a woo or two and uh, listen to me and my wonderful co-host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. How you doing, dude? Hey, man. How's it going, buddy? You know, it's, it's all peas and carrots and shit. Uh, it's, it's lovely. I couldn't get that stupid intro to shut up. Wouldn't stop. Just kept on going, man. <laughs> so now we, uh, now you guys know that's the full thing. It's supposed to be cut in half, but you know, it happens. Uh, yeah. But fuck it. Anyway, we'll do it live. Exactly. Yeah, might as well. I mean, we've had we've had stickier situations. We we can get through that whole entire concept. And uh, if you don't think so, let's get ready to suck some pipes on him, man. All right, well, let's get into this wonderful news. Uh, Chris, let's start off with the probably the best news that we have. Uh, so remember, uh, we found out, and we we're going to talk about this anyways, they were going to have a woman's battle royal at WrestleMania, and they were going to call this the China Women's Battle Royal, you know, because it's, it's the ninth wonder of the world, and they're going to give her a little bit of respect, even though she, was, she made some bad decisions later on in her life. Oh no! Oh, oh, she's on a different pedestal. And, and people like like, but you know, Sonny's in there, and, and Scott Hall. You know, they okay. That's different. All right, whatever. Well, what do you want to call it? WD, the fabulous Moolah. That's a great person to represent women. Yeah, and already, it's not going to be called that anymore. Now they didn't give specifics on an exact name, but the uh, proposed fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. Right before we went on the show, we found out that WWE decided to step back, think about the concept. Stephanie McMahon, um, which this is all like, apparently she had a, a close relationship, I think, with Mae Young and Moolah, I believe, throughout her lifetime. So I'm sure this was a big part of her decision-making, which doesn't make any sense if you understand the uh, – we'll get into some of the, some of the stuff. But um, she made a statement. And even though this is stupid of them to begin with, I appreciate the fact that they realized their mistake. She said, thank you, WWE Universe, for using your voice. What remains most important is that the Wrestling Women's Battle Royal will be a historic match and is part of WWE's unwavering commitment to our women's division, hashtag women's evolution, and hashtag change the name. Um, so I guess that was the name of the movement, I'm assuming. Kind of funny that you reflected off of that. Chris, um, basically, and if you want to kind of go into some of the moolah stuff, you can. We'll go back and forth about that regardless. But how do you feel, first, about the initial reaction of finding out that they decided to name it after her, and now how they're, you know, taking that away uh, and, and not calling it that? I think they honestly didn't think that – it's one of those things where I think – they think sometimes that wrestling fans are dumb and that they don't know about this stuff, but 
in general, like this, the Mullah slash May Young allegations of these kind of dealings have been out for years. Uh, Dave Meltzer has talked about it on end uh, on his podcast and even in Wrestling Observer every time their names get brought up as being highly regarded or really prominent women uh, figures for different reasons. But, you know, Mula was kind of known as sending students out and, and pimping them to the point where different trainees and stuff have recently came out and specifically said, even going back to 2014 um, and 2006, like this, there's been people accusing, like this, with these accusations at least, I, I'm not going to call them accusations because from all the sources that I've read and, and heard over the years, it's kind of been known um, that Ula necessarily wasn't the greatest person. Uh, same thing with Mae Young for different reasons. But uh, I think they really thought it's like, hey, Ula, she was here at WWE. She's a big female wrestling star. We should just go with that name. And hopefully no one will freak out about it. But uh, uh, it's good to see that the fans actually came through, especially – uh, a lot of a lot of women wrestling fans uh, on Twitter and, and and not just people that are just offended because they like read you know wrestling inks post or you know a Dave Metzler newsletter or something it seemed like people genuinely were kind of offended by it and, and I can't really blame them and to be so I, I it's so weird because in this PG era to pick someone like fabulous Mula to be the person to represent the female brand and, and what they're considering, like the women's revolution and this giant thing. You know what it's have, almost like, like Chris? It's almost like naming an award that you give to someone every year at your, uh, at your, um, you know, inaugural um, hall of fame for like people that have really achieved a lot in their life and done a lot despite what, what they've been given or whatnot. And you call it the Warrior Award. I mean, that one, it's it's so it's it's yeah, you know, it's crazy. Sorry, keep on going. It's very I want to throw it out there. But I, I mean, what what I was gonna say is like the obvious choice would just been call this like this Trish Stratus Battle Royal because to me, WWE film wrestling. I I know there were women before her. I I get that, but like Trish Stratus. You know, that entire generation is kind of what brought the eye to women's wrestling, whether they got, you know, they definitely got away from it when they brought in the diva division. But, like, they could have had, like, Trish Stratus be the ambassador. They could have named the match after her. You could have did this big celebration. You could have had her come back and um, do commentating or be on the pre-show. There's so much other stuff you could have done. Or, like, Beth Phoenix or just any of the other influential females that, that people are going to be more familiar with because you just used them in the Royal Rumble instead of going back to Fabulous Mula. I don't think she compares anywhere near to where Andre the Giant is. I do get that she was a very influential female wrestler. Um, not that Andre the Giant was perfect by any means. I mean, he's kind of he was kind of known as a dick. Uh, <laughs> like a nice guy that was also a dick kind of thing. But uh, hey, as far as yeah, as far as I know, he didn't uh, like whore out any of his students or trick like little bitty men into sleeping with them and then beating the shit out of them and stealing their money. Uh, you know, so I, 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 it's the fact Stephanie's coming out after I, I look at it like this: Stephanie McMahon grew up around them when they were in their older age, probably, probably knows them as sweet. Almost. Sweet, yeah, like sweet, 
people, she doesn't necessarily, I mean, I'm I'm sure she's aware of the allegations. I don't think that she honestly accepted them until she saw like what the outrage was going to be. And also, you know, they put Steph out in the forefront of shit like this and she probably had nothing to do with the naming. Uh, it's WrestleMania. Yep. I'm sure that Vince pitched this shit as like, we're just going to call it this because we had Andre and we'll just call this the fabulous Moolah because she was the biggest one we had as like a female wrestler. So that's my guess. And then they put Steph out because she is the authority female figure. That's who they wanted to do it. But my thing is like, I would have called it like the Trish Stratus battle, uh, battle Royale. Or if you want to go back to like an actual inspirational female worker, even from the nineties, who was an absolute monster, similar to Andre, the giant bull Nakano. Um, I was going to say, I was and like, and people aren't that familiar with Bull Nakano, but you could have also inducted her into the Hall of Fame. I think it would be well deserved. Granted, she never she she was only in WWF for a short stint, but her New Japan career or All Japan, and they could have built an entire thing around that. To me, it's just lazy to use Mae Young and Fabulous Moolah, and they're just kind of lazy about that shit. And yeah. This time it backfired on them. Well, what pisses me off about it is I agree with you, and I mean they don't have to, but what I think that they're going for, Chris is they're trying to have someone that's deceased. Because to me, you know, I thought you were going to say her. I would have done a trailblazer. I would have – Alundra Blaze is like the first female, you know, competitor that I can really remember actually making an impact in the female division. And she also had matches with Bull Mikado, so that kind of like – and she was – even though she threw away the title, she was a WWE girl before going back and becoming a Medusa WCW or going back to, you know what I'm saying, huge female in her – in the industry – um, that a lot of people know. So Alumda Blaze, um, I, Lita and Trish too, they're, they're neck and neck. You know, there's certain females have that type of concept of powerful women, you know, and I think that I, I'm going to keep on saying this. I know she might not have been the greatest in-ring wrestler, but I think her inspiration to women, for women wrestling, for being strong, and where she came from in 98 and everything that happened, following that and her becoming a competitor with men way before, you know, um, Beth Phoenix, like, you know, actually being able to look like an intercontinental champion is China. And I know that it's not going to happen anytime soon. I think that they're kind of simmering up to that. I think she should definitely be in the Hall of Fame, but it would have made sense to have the ninth wonder of the world and the eighth wonder of the world, two of them that are dead, be the battle royals. And she is kind of like, like similar to Andre is, you know, this monster among men, if you will. Um, same thing with her in her way. So, and, and I know Triple H is, it's all because it's an ex and shit like that. I don't know if it's Stephanie related or whatnot, but he's going to say, well, if you look up her name on the internet, you can find porn. Well, that's great because, like I said, you put Sonny in there when she was already doing pretty close to that beforehand, and then full-fledged did that after you inducted her in the freaking Hall of Fame. She's known for sleeping with everyone and then telling everyone about it afterwards, which is whatever. You can do anything as a female. But also recently saying horrible things about female wrestlers that are currently there that she doesn't find pretty enough. You know, and, 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 and sick shit like that. Like, so those are the females of value that you have within there. Fabulous Moolah is another example of that. I love Scott Hall, but if you're going to say that China had so many damn problems, you know, drug-wise, Scott's in there. So, to me, it's, it's a bunch of BS. To me, this should be 
and I think a lot of people feel the same way as me, the China Battle Royal. Um, no, she might not be the best in-ring performer, but think about all the stuff that she achieved while she was big in wrestling, and she was huge at one time. Um, but I do agree. If, if they're not going to do it, Trish is another person to represent that. Alundra Blaze is another person. Bull Nakano. There's so many great female competitors that you come before you even think about Mula, especially with these allegations. And before I pass it back to you, I was going to ask you, from what I hear, the big difference between Mae Young and Mula was Mae Young would bully girls and maybe destroy their career if they got in her way. But Mula was, was, was prostituting for female uh, students and stuff like that, along with bullying, along with paying and making sure her title stayed top and she would always be the one defending it and never losing. Like, that's, like, the main thing. Like, Mae Young sounds like she was a pretty big bitch, if you will, like, you know, but Mula sounds like a monster. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Mae Young and, and kind of some of that stuff that had come out uh even during her career, is that she would basically trick Marks into going back to a hotel with her, usually smaller, insecure guys, and then roll them, basically, take their money and not actually sleep with them or anything. So kind of still still kind of skeezy, if I'm recalling right. And I think Fabulous Mulu also did the same thing. Those are the rumors that I've heard about that. Um, from multiple podcasts. I think Dave, Dave Meltzer has said that. And, I mean, the thing is, like, these are allegations, but this is shit that's been on dirt sheets forever and in Wrestling Observer and PW Torch and, uh, you know, Wade Trick Keller's early career. Like, this is all stuff that has already been out there and been known about. And WWF never really gave a shit. Like, they didn't have to start caring until people got offended enough, and they finally did. Um, so yeah, it's, neither of them are like, well, the name, the, the, the May Young thing is a little harder to find unless you're just a true diehard. Like I listen to a ton of podcasts. I've heard this, I've heard that. And then once again, it's kind of, she never prostituted out trainees. You know what I mean? Like people that were training underneath her as opposed to like, you know, fabulous moolah where it's with this is coming out where it's like, you know, if a guy comes out and says that, guys in general, when it comes to, like, sexual assault and stuff, a lot of times it's it, – I mean, it's bad as it sounds. A lot of times it just gets passed over, and it's been like, well, how would you get beat up by a girl? Um, so it's just one of those weird things that's kind of always been sweeped under the rug. Yeah, it's a weird situation. But luckily, I think we can both agree that WWE – heard a lot of people complain about this and made changes. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think this is going to be good that they have this for the women because we're going to see – what we didn't see – if Royal Rumble, and I'm sure that it's going to be different next year, if the Royal Rumble this year, I should say, had a lot more legends, we're going to see a lot more NXT girls be able to step up to the plate and be able to get in the ring with some of the SmackDown and Raw women. And that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm claiming right Before now we... if they don't accept – if, if they don't establish and get their own match, Chris, and I'll, I'll pass right to you right after this before we move on, um, I think it's going to come down to Bailey and Sasha. I, I feel like that, if, if they don't get their own match, they got to do something with them at WrestleMania, and that seems to me the good square-off point where everyone gets eliminated and they have a little time to be able to wrestle themselves and maybe put forth a storyline for next year between the two of them after Mania. What were you going to say? 
Uh, I was going to say, I, I think one thing the WWE could do to try to right the ship is give – it doesn't necessarily have to be a wrestler, but call it the Battle Royal and give a bunch of different historical well-known women uh, throughout history who are very influential – and, and throw some wrestlers in there, too, and do a fan vote on Twitter and tag it with this hashtag and let fans pick the name. And don't gimmick it. Like, actually make it public. Make the poll public. Put respectable people in there and then do a vote and then name it that um, as opposed to just picking. Uh, as far as, like, what you're saying about Bailey and Sasha, my thought is this match might end up on the pre-show. And you could end up with Bailey and Sasha at the very end, and then they book a match uh, between those two. And that's kind of how you get go that route. I think that would be very smart. Yeah. It's just mania sounds so packed right now. It's ridiculous. But uh, I like your idea about the fan vote. So hopefully uh, by next year we will have the B. Arthur Battle Royal. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love the Golden (laughs) Girls, okay? Thank you for being a friend, okay? You know, B. Arthur is Dorothy from the Golden Girls. Go watch some TV land, damn it. Gosh. All right. Sophia was just as much of a badass as Andre the Giant. She could take her down. Take him down, I should say. Right, let's go on to the next news item. Chris, one of it – just, it just sucks to hear about this, you know, but one of many people's favorite wrestlers of all time, he's been – such a charismatic icon for a while with Jeff Hardy, you know, might, might not be the best guy on the mic, but his charisma and his in-ring ability is ridiculous. And he's always had demons. Um, I think the best display of that is when he was in TNA. And if you guys want to check out a really sad concept, <coughs> excuse me. If you want to, I don't know who let him in the ring. It's disgusting to me that someone let, Jeff in the ring, but he was on Quaaludes or something. He basically took something at the show and was supposed to have a match with his favorite wrestler of all time, one of his biggest influences, Sting. Uh, They both had, like, matching outfits, sort of, with reflecting face paint, and this has been built up, and Jeff can't even walk through the ring, almost falls down the stairs, and Sting just shaking his head the whole entire time. (coughs) Something's in my throat. (coughs) I don't think it's a frog, though. Um... Uh, is shaking his head, very angry, and then forces the match to stop and pins uh, Jeff after about seven minutes. Um, so Jeff's had problems with drugs, alcohol, the whole nine yards for years, and he's been clean. And right now on the verge of him being able to come back from an injury, he has a DUI and blows a 2.5, which is three times the legal limit. Um it's just, it's just ridiculous, man. It, it sucks. I don't know what's going to happen with him in WWE. He just, I'm sure Rebby and Matt are not happy because they just finished um, doing the final deletion, and Jeff was one of the main attractions in that, helping out Matt. I don't know if they're going to have to re-edit it and take him out or what's going to go on, but they're definitely sending him to rehab, uh, apparently. And apparently his his shoulder's good, or it was at the – or. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's no longer obsolete is what he said. It's too bad that his addiction isn't. And I understand he didn't do pills and stuff like that, and that's great. But he still drank himself to a stupor. And, you know, if, if he wants to drink, that's up to him. Um, someone with that high of a substance abuse problem, I don't necessarily think that would be the best idea. But he could have taken an Uber. Instead, he 
like had a horrible accident, got arrested for it, um, just bad. And like I understand a lot of people are gonna say, well, you know, Rick Swan uh, was taken out from a bunch of shit, blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's a little bit different because of the situation. I understand that he was fired for it. And then you look at someone like Jey Uso who got a DUI. Yeah, but like a first-time type of situation is a little bit different. Jeff's had a lot of strikes against him. Um, do you think this is going to be bad for Jeff Hardy going forward in WWE, or do you think it will be somewhat of a slap on the wrist, Chris? I'm thinking it will be a slap on the wrist. They'll probably drug test him more often to make sure that he's not doing drugs, but I... – He's going to have a high tolerance for any kind of alcohol or, or drug at this point in his life. Uh, so he probably thought he wasn't that drunk and blew higher than expected or whatever. I know there was like an accident. He struck a guardrail or something, but he was also driving really, really fast. So I don't know, man. There's no way for me to defend this. It was dumb on his part. Um coming out and saying that his shoulder is no longer obsolete, it's almost like he's still playing into it. My huge problem with this is when these people get DUIs, I think they handled the Rich Swan thing properly because he also almost kidnapped someone, which is why he got fired, or did kidnap someone or threatened to kidnap them. Like, that's a lot weirder than what happened to Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy just got drunk and drove, which in general is a bad idea. Don't do that. Like, I don't, I like, if I have, like, a, a beer or two beers, I'm not going anywhere um, unless someone's driving me or I have an Uber in general in my older age. I know way too many people that have gotten DUIs in my life for that to be a thing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. The whole the whole entire thing is really weird, weird for me, man. Like, for him to just come out nonchalantly and be like, hey, I'm still doing this angle and this is still going to be a thing. Uh, with this looming suspension of Roman Reigns, possibly, which has been in the news everywhere for steroid use, it's almost like, well, if you're going to suspend one, you got to suspend the other. Like, it's not fair to suspend Roman Reigns for taking, like, HGH versus, like, Jeff Hardy physically driving what could be considered a weapon if you're drunk uh, <laughs> around the streets of North Carolina and having a car accident. Uh it's it's just one of those weird things, and I, I mean I think they have big plans for Jeff Hardy at WrestleMania, so they'll they might just skate over this thing. I don't know. I mean Jeff Hardy might have a lawyer that could just make it go away. Vince might have a lawyer that just makes this entire thing go away, but it's out there, it's known. Um, it's just how the fans are going to react to it. But to me, like if, if I'm Roman Reigns and they're talking about suspending me because you know HGH or some sort of steroid showed up on a test and you're looking at someone like, you know, triple H or Vince McMahon who are just like clearly like clear, not, maybe not now, but clearly back in the day we're super jacked on roids and human growth hormones. Uh, the rock even, uh, he had, that. I, I don't believe I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> it just seems kind of tilted. It's like, well, I, I don't know that Roman Reigns is a little bit of steroids or whatever the hell he was taking caused him to <laughs> drive a car <laughs> and like hit guardrails and shit. So it's just weird to me. If you're going to suspend one for that, then you got to suspend one for the other. It's just like this endless slope. It's almost what happened in the NFL with, uh, with a lot of their like drug suspensions and, uh, DUI suspensions and stuff where if you're going to, if you're really going to tackle this thing, if you're going to do it and not gimmick, do it like WWE does it, you have to treat everyone with the same thing. And to me, like getting a DUI, granted it's not drug, 
you're representing the company um, at all times because you're you're a well-known name. You know, every dirt sheet slash TMZ whatever. If you get arrested, uh, if you're getting arrested in some situation like that where it's your fault, it's the same thing as like doing steroids to me. Like you got to suspend them. Like for the love of God, like Titus, Titus O'Neil got suspended for tapping Vince McMahon on the back. So you can't, there can't be these weird levels of how people get suspended and whether it works for WrestleMania or not. Just don't suspend people if that's the case. Like, it's not a real sport. You don't have to suspend anyone. Uh, that's kind of up to you on how you want to handle that as a business. I know that, like, you might lose sponsorships and shit, but, like, you got to set some kind of president. Um, it sucks because I, I want to see Jeff Hardy at Mania, but at the same time, it's like he did this. They're talking about, like we were talking about last week, Roman Reigns, there's fear that he might not make it to Mania because he might get suspended, which I don't think is going to happen. They're going to have that match, and they may suspend him afterwards or whatever the hell they have to do for business. But, like, it's the same to me. It's like call, the pot calling the kettle black. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. No, I, I basically, I do, I completely agree with you. Especially with the whole Johnny Bravo, whatever the hell his name is, and the threats against Roman Reigns and a lot of other people potentially in wrestling uh, with his documentary with steroid stuff. If there is repercussions for anything, especially if you are someone that has been <laughs> taken out of the company because of stuff like this. Do I think it's ridiculous that you can get in trouble for pot? Kind of. Um, I'm sure they're much more lax on that to an extent, but I've also heard uh, Rob Van Dam, you know, uh, talk about the issue and aggravation with the WWE before in the past. Jeff Hardy has had lots of chances to clean up his act. Love Jeff. Uh, but if he's going to rehab and if that means that's blocking mania, I would say keep him out for a while, get his ass clean, um, and then go from there. Uh, but yeah, definitely there's going to have to be some type of suspension, especially if they end up spending Roman for the whole steroids allegations. They've been so down on people. And, you know, I understand the Rick Swan thing was crazy and, and the Enzo thing, there's a lot of validity to it, but there's nothing proven with the Enzo stuff. And there's a lot of back and forth information with the Rick Swan stuff. So at the same time, if you're going to be so down, I know that they're new talent compared to older talent, but you got to, I mean, you got to stick by your guns and, it, we'll, we'll end up seeing uh, the re- results of what happens, but let's keep on going. Um, this is a small one that I'm sure we'll breeze right through. John Cena auditioning for Blue's Clues. And I heard that the original guy that played on Blue's Clues, who does not look any more like this, is like cutting promos against John Cena. He's not too happy. Um, I don't care about this at all. Cool for John for getting a paycheck. And trying to, like, you know, be relevant to children. Because if he is, he has a very big connection with kids. That's why he's hosting the Kids' Choice Awards. And I like that whole, like, little Eddie Murphy thing that they had for the advertisement for it. Uh, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about. It's him and his family, but they're all played by John Cena. I really like John Cena. He's great. He wants to do Blue's Clues. Great. If the older guy wants to jokingly do cut promos against John Cena, I think that's hilarious. Hopefully they can get him for a PWI show or a PWG, I mean. Uh, in the future, maybe you can go against Macaulay Culkin. I don't know. Chris, Blue's Clues, starring John Cena. Does that make well, I mean, you excited? 
I mean, I'll definitely, if John Cena gets the role of whoever Steve played, I guess his name was just Steve, and then there was another guy, whoever, oh, Blues, I don't remember. My little sister watched it when she was a kid, so I, I, know, I know of Steve. The poor guy got fired because he had a receding hairline. Um, so there's some bitterness to the show in general. It wouldn't make sense to bring back the OG guy. Uh, but John Cena, he, he's got a real close relationship with Nickelodeon. He's done the teen, uh, the, teen, is it the Kids' Choice Awards. He's done the Kids' Choice Awards and the Kids Teen's choice. choice Awards multiple times. I mean, it makes sense. It's also kind of a sign to me that John Cena is ready to wind down his wrestling career because he's not going to be doing blues clues and cutting promos on Raw at the same time. It's just like way too easy to attack, um, way too much crossover. I think Nickelodeon might pass over him just if he's going to continue wrestling. And I think that's the the thing is like, what point are we at with John Cena? Is he, is he getting ready to be done? And if he's done, is he going to pull an edge and just be done? Like walk away uh, into the sunset, which edge, obviously he didn't have a choice, but do you really want to see blues clues, John Cena on Monday night raw after he did a, you know, 8 a.m. show of Blue's Clues. It does that matter to you as a wrestling fan? Because I know it's going to matter to a lot of people. It doesn't to me. Like, he's he wants to act. He wants to do Blue's Clues. Only if he me. shows up as the Thugonomics John Cena. I, I mean, I hope he shows up as Blue's Clues John Cena and brings the fucking cartoon <laughs> dog with him on Raw. Because I think that would be fucking awesome. That would be a great baby face gimmick. That, or a heel gimmick if you want to just make it really dumb. Um, if he's going to play more of a comic role, but I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard to push him as a top guy if he's going to be like Blue's Clues dude. But um, you know, that's up to him, man. Maybe he's ready to wind down and have kids or something. I know he said he wasn't into kids, but he also said he wasn't about getting married. And he's kind of a guy I feel for because, as far as the kids situation goes, he's like done all of those Make a Wishes, which to me personally, if I did all that, I would like, be terrified of having kids just because you see what could happen constantly, you know? Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, Steve calling him out on a promo, I think, was more of a joke than everything, like, anything else. Oh, yeah. It's just him just getting his name back out there. Like, I don't think – he's not actually going to fight John Cena. He probably knows that John Cena would rip him apart. So it's, it's more – to me, it's almost, it's almost a work by Steve, which is the weird – the weird thing, <laughs> like a non-wrestler working a wrestler, uh, it's kind of funny. I'm telling you, man, it's gonna be him and Macaulay Culkin um, burning it down at the Wrestling Gorilla very soon. It's gonna be all sorts of craziness. Maybe they'll have the big comfy couch in the middle of them. I don't know if they'll have enough time, but yeah, I agree on pretty much everything that you said. Um, I don't know if John will have too much problem coming back. The Rock made that fairy movie, Tooth Fairy or whatever, and he still comes back as The Rock uh, as a badass. And I think that John will probably have a similar type of concept where he won't ever say he's retired because there's a chance he might come back if it's in the schedule or some shit, but eventually it will be done. I just think that this is the time where he starts winding down. Um, I'm wondering if they're ever going to give him the title to be able to break the record. Um, or tie the record, or whatever the fuck it is, the fake record. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, let's let's keep I mean, on going. My, well, real quick before we go on, I, the one difference between The Rock and John Cena is The Rock is the fucking Rock. But John like John, John Cena's Cena is good. I mean, 
I mean, yeah, but John Cena can't cut a promo that makes The Rock's character believable again. Like, John Cena can cut a good promo. Yeah. But he doesn't have The Rock's catchphrases. He doesn't have The Rock's charisma. Like, him doing Blue's Clues (laughs) when people are already doing, you know, like, John, I hate, like, kind of on the fence about John Cena. Like, he's split, the crowd's 50 50 on him. I don't think the crowd's ever been 50 50 on The Rock except for his initial heel turn. Or when he went against Hulk Hogan, uh, and they were supposed to be rooting against Hollywood Hogan at WrestleMania. That was crazy. Uh, I love wrestling situations like that, but that is true. I love The Rock because you can say what you will about The Rock, um, but he's the only guy to beat the other three dudes uh, at WrestleMania between, you know, biggest moneymakers between Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena. So there's something to be said about that. But, yeah, I think similar career, but obviously John Cena has a much more light and fluffy side. So if he keeps on exploiting that, you're probably right. We'll probably get um, John Cena less believable. But I don't know. After that promo that he cut, he makes me want him to go against The Undertaker, and I did not want this match. And I still don't really want it, but he was so damn convincing. I want to drink a beer with John Cena's own damn thing. You probably have one sip of it. All right. Velveteen Dream says his supporters don't need merch. I love his character. I think that he's got so much flavor to him. I think he's got so much potential on main. What do you think about this, Chris? Do you agree with that? Or is he just in the realization that he's not going to make money off of it anyways? Or if he does, it'll be a small portion because of the WWE rights. What, what, is, he, what is Velveteen Dream talking about? I honestly think it's a very heel thing to say and do. Chris Jericho, when he's a heel, he doesn't he he didn't sell merch um, for the longest time. Like when he did his heel run against uh, CM Punk and he had the uh, uh, heel run against Shawn Michaels, he wouldn't sell merch. So to me, it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, people cheer for Velveteen Dream, but he is supposed to be a heel in NXT, and I think he's doing the right thing by being like, I don't want people out there really rooting for me because I'm supposed to be getting heat. It's kind of an old school mindset, but I like that he just straight come out and said, like, people who support me, support me, they don't need to wear a t-shirt about it. This is a very dick thing to say. Like, very, very much a, a heel type ass thing to say. So, I liked it. Appreciated it. Me too. I love Elvateen Dream. He's, uh, he's, he's really good at being <laughs> this character that Patrick Clark created. You know, and the potential of, of seeing him in the, uh, I believe it's sixth way for the, even though the title's ridiculous, the North American title. But the match itself, I'm looking forward to because there's so much potential between Adam Cole being involved in that and then him and Ricochet being involved in that. And possibly something with him and Ricochet, regardless if there's a belt involved, past that because of everything that's been going back and forth between the two of them online. So I think it's going to be a great year for Patrick Clark. And. I'm hoping that eventually when Aleister Black, because I think he's going to have a title for a while, whenever Aleister Black settles down and he's about to go to Maine, I hope the Team Dream is actually the one that knocks him off his pedestal. I think that would be very fitting due to their situation. But love Team Dream. Let's keep on going. SmackDown's viewership hits high in 2018 um, post the Fastlane show. Is Do you think this is because of Nakamura versus AJ, or did they just have a compelling show, Chris? We're going to go over it for the most part, but what do you think? Give me just a second. My phone's doing something weird. All right, well, his phone is doing something weird. I'll give my input on this. 
Um, I don't know necessarily if it's Nap- Nakamura versus AJ that that's uh, brought so many people. Maybe it was an influx due to the fast lane pay per view, and everyone wanted to see like follow up for everything. Um, I'm really getting sick of maybe it's just audiences. I understand it's it's, it's hard. But if we could just be a little bit fucking nicer to Asuka and Shinsuke when they're trying their hardest to, like, speak English, I can see where people's perspective on the other side of that is being kind of, um, yeah, like I said, hard to watch. It's kind of like it's cringy a little bit. But at the same time, those dudes have to to say what to someone that's supposed to be a baby face that you like when they're trying to speak English. Go put your head in the toilet and do whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't know. Give yourself a, a, a swirly. That's what I believe. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't know. If, I think a lot of people are excited about that, but I'm saying just the audience. Um, I think the audience are a little bit lukewarm still on Nakamura. I, I think that they like him and that if he has a title and he wins against AJ at WrestleMania, which I think is going to happen, you know, people will definitely get behind him, but, I just don't think that he's – I think Oscar has a very similar issue. It's probably because some somewhat of the language concept. But um, I think people are excited about it. But, I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's because of that one match. I think it's just particular with the whole, you know, coming off the pay-per-view. Uh, Chris, uh, how's, your, how's your phone going? It's going fine. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I will say my thought on this and, and the spike that they had in ratings is that the people that are excited about it are people who already know about AJ Styles and Nakamura and probably the people that don't watch SmackDown week to week and probably just watch the pay-per-views. Um, and knowing that that match is a possibility, it, it, let's say if it's even 200,000 people, you're going to bump that viewership number quite a bit. Um, the other thing I would say, I don't think they need to bank on that too much because we are really close to WrestleMania, which your viewership is going to increase anyways. Uh, but it was a big yep. news item that people have been kicking around. But to me, it's just more like, well, yeah, we're two weeks away from WrestleMania, like two or three weeks away from WrestleMania. So the numbers in general should be going up week to week. I think Nakamura versus AJ Styles definitely uh, definitely increased some viewership, but I you know, it's going to be for the diehard Nakamura fans or the diehard AJ Styles fans who really like the New Japan stuff and wanted to also see that um, in WWE, which was really weird that, which I guess we'll get to later on SmackDown, that the programs that they decided to go with. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you about the crowd as well. Like, the fact that they know how to speak two languages and the majority of America only knows how to speak one is, well, I wouldn't say the majority, but the majority, majority of the fans in that fucking building probably only know how to speak one is kind of like shitty to chant when someone's, you know, attempt. And also like, it doesn't matter that Nakamura, it probably matters more for Nakamura than Asuka, because I think Asuka's character at this point with the undefeated streak and everything that she's accomplished thus far kind of means a little bit more than what Nakamura has done recently. Uh, but I don't know. Just if it's that, if it becomes that big of a problem, just give them, just give them a manager. There's no reason why you can't have valets. You just have to get entertaining valets. Like Bobby the Brain Heenan was Andre the Giant's manager because Andre the Giant was not good on the mic. Yep. Unless you want to string Rockless. up on Euchre, but that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, which is hilarious, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, not everyone has to be taught. Like, Chris Benoit, for the longest time, never cut a promo, and he still got over. Like, you don't have to have these people talk at all. Um, I think they're trying to encapsulate, you know, the fact that AJ Styles and Nakamura have a history, but they're not going to do it right because they're not going to pay New Japan for the footage to actually show that. I think this is one of those times where they should make a deal with New Japan, like they much like they did with uh, Impact for the Kurt Angle footage leading up to WrestleMania, uh, where they did, was it 24 that they did with Kurt Angle, where they had Dixie Carter and they had some of this footage. I think it would be a great time to do something like that with Nakamura and AJ Styles, because I think Nakamura, since he got to Maine, I mean, he's been given a push, but he hasn't been given like, he hasn't been given like a dominant push. Maybe he's gotten some wins, but he's he's taken some losses, and he's they haven't done enough to establish his character on main. Um, then again, like you know, when he came into NXT, his first match was against Sami Zayn, and they put on like one hell of a banger. And then from there on out, like he basically became the champion right away. Like he was booked properly going into NXT, and I think that the WWE banks on that like everyone watches NXT. Uh, which isn't the case, unfortunately. I mean, NXT is great, and everyone should watch NXT, but SmackDown has always been more of their family night show, kind of the 8 o'clock to to 10 o'clock, the family gets together and watch SmackDown. Uh, As Vince has always said, it's more of the, it's it's always been more of kind of that show, especially back in the day when it was on UPN. So I I don't know. Nakamura, I, I, I don't think they've pushed him enough. I think that he's in a good spot. I think he could still be a huge deal. I just think there's better ways to book this match. And, yeah, it might cost you some money up front, but using New Japan footage could get fans that are New Japan fans uh, only more interested in the match, especially if they're like, holy shit, they're showing New Japan footage of Nakamura and AJ Styles on WWE right now. Let's switch over, even if it's just for that segment they might stick around for WrestleMania or want to see that match. Um, I, don't, I don't know where you really go with it. It's it's kind of a weird situation. I haven't been super impressed by Nakamura since he came up to Maine. I still contend that the best match he's had was with Sami Zayn, his very first match there. I think that he is dialing it back quite a bit for the WWE style, whether it's them asking him to do it or him knowing that he – can't go to his full extent because I have seen New Japan matches with him that are phenomenal, insane. Um, and it could just be that who he's working with doesn't work as well as some of some of the guys he faced in New Japan, which is very, very possible. I think him and AJ Styles will have a great match. Like, that, that'll be a barn burner. Like, at WrestleMania, that will be the match. That will be the best match of the night. I'm going to go ahead and call that now. Like, that is going to be the best match of the night. It doesn't matter if you have John Cena versus Undertaker. Like, you get the mystique of that. You're going to get Charlotte versus Asuka. That'll be good. Like, there's going to be good matches, but AJ Styles versus Nakamura is is going to be the match of the night. So anyone else doing anything else, they should go ahead and know that they're going to get second or third best of the match because, like, AJ and Nakamura are going to lay it all out. Um, Yeah, I agree. It's just definitely weird. see. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's going to be one hell of a match, and I, I agree with you on everything. Um, and by the way, if you guys don't know the match we're talking about, if you're not a New Japan fan, definitely check out. I'm sure you can find it on the internet. 
uh, AJ Styles versus Nakamura, I believe, at Wrestle Kingdom 12, or was it 13, Chris? I want to say it's 12. I, I want to say 12 as well. Um, they kind of run together. It's, 12. It, it, it's a big um, – it, it was their uh, main event that night. Wrestle Kingdom is New Japan. If you guys didn't know, they're WrestleMania. And it was an incredible match. They're going to put on another amazing match. I definitely think that you were right on the money there. One of the things that Shinsuke's having a problem with is adapting such a uh, hard-hitting style to the WWE's version of doing that. And I mean, like I said, I, I don't think the fact that he doesn't speak the best English helps out either. So I think that even though they're clunky about it, that they keep on going their pace, um, they give him the belt at WrestleMania, let him have a run with it, I think that he'll increase his popularity, and it already is a pretty good level for everything uh, going against him, if that makes sense. But speaking about Shinsuke, let's get started on this pay-per-view, Fastlane. Woo! Um, I'm going to say it right now. Um, there's two matches I really liked on this card, and I think they're the two ones that everyone's going to probably say. Um, but it was an average pay-per-view. Honestly, this was a really good SmackDown. Uh, but we'll go over it, go into it, Start off with Shinsuke Nakamura against Rusev Day. Um, Shinsuke would end up winning. Nakamura avoided the accolade, slipping out and hitting a knee to the back of Rusev's head, and then hitting a second King Shasha to the front of his face to win the match. Pretty good match. Nothing too crazy. Like both these guys a lot. Um, sucks that I don't think they're going to be able to do a lot with Rusev, even though he's very, very popular right now or at least his catchphrases, but I think Rusev has a lot of charisma. Uh, but at the same time, it didn't make him look weak, I don't think, in the match. Um, like I said, it took two King Shashas, one to the back of the head and one to the front to take him out. And, yeah, it was it was, it was was a decent match. I'll just put it that way. Shinsuke won. Chris, how did you feel about it? I thought it was an okay match. Um, I... I think it was kind of dumb putting him against Rusev when Rusev is a huge fan favorite right now, and you're trying to get Nakamura to also be a fan favorite. I feel like yep. Dolph Ziggler should have probably... Either Dolph Ziggler or Baron Corbin should have been slotted into this somehow against Nakamura. Or you could have done John Cena versus Nakamura for the number one contendership instead of doing a six-pack challenge. I, I feel like there's ways that you could have done this better. Um, but the match itself I, I thought was was okay. Uh, it wasn't anything super special. They went through some paces. There were, I kind of liked the uh, finish where at least you had Rusev locking in the accolade, and I, I thought that Nakamura did a good job of selling it, and I kind of liked, uh, you know, the end spot, but overall, like, it, it was a decent match. It wasn't anything that I would go out of my way to watch after seeing it one time. Yeah, I agree. Another match that would have been great on SmackDown, um, but this it was, you know, good. The U.S. Championship match, uh, Randy Orton defeated Bobby Roode. Uh, Orton countered a blockbuster attempt with an RKO to win a long match and become the new United States champion. After the match, Jinder Mahal came to the ring to confront Orton. Roode hit both men with glorious DDTs. Kind of heelish a little bit, the way that uh, Reed was acting towards the end. I kind of understand he lost his championship, but I don't think this is, this is going to stay on Orton just to solidify him. He probably bitched the Vince. He was like, wait, why is Dolph Ziggler and Miz both Grand Slam champions and I'm not? I don't really think that. I think uh, Randy Orton's 
can be a dick, but he's pretty uh, – I, I think a lot of this is below him. So, cool, he'll have the U.S. title. He'll be a vessel to bring it to Mania like he did with the championship. Um, and then he'll lose it. Um, or, well, I should have said like he did with the championship from Mania last year, but you guys get what I'm saying. And then he'll lose it probably to Bob Roode. And then Jinder and him will, will go against each other. I don't know. Um, I want Bobby Roode as a heel. I'm sick of it. Dumb. Let's just, let's just put it full throttle. Let's get him back to how he was in NXT. I'm just kind of over this concept. The match, I mean, I'm not going to say the wrestling wasn't bad. Both guys are good wrestlers. They're both good in-ring hands. Just nothing was that memorable besides the ending where Bobby Roode went for the blockbuster and got nailed by the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, RKO. So I, I, I will say that I did also like the fact that Jinder Mahal didn't interrupt the match, that he came out afterwards and it caused the ending that they had. I was happy about that because I thought, honestly, it was just going to be uh, I think I, I think I called this actually, Chris. There's going to be interference, and then Bobby Roode was going to retain the title. Um, how'd you feel about the match? I think Randy Orton and Bobby Roode together in a match is not a lot of fun to watch. I think they wrestle very similar styles. It's slower paced, kind of methodical, um, very much Triple H old school, old school. And in modern wrestler wrestling, I don't necessarily know that it works great. Uh, that being said, like I thought the match itself was 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 decent. Um, I hated the blockbuster spot at the end because he hit the blockbuster earlier in the match, and it also looked like yeah. he just dove straight the RKO. And I have a real I know that they're always trying. They're now that that thing became a meme. Every match has to be him hitting that out of nowhere instead of just him finishing someone. It's almost like I would. Yep. I, I wish they would break the punt back, or like Randy just adopt a submission or something else, so that when he does hit the RKO out of nowhere, so to speak, it's more special. Because right now it looks like people are just diving into the RKO, which doesn't look good. There's there's been like one or two great like great ones of those, and then they've done it every show ever since. And it's just like him popping out from under the ring and hitting it. I'm fine with whatever. He's just building heat. But like when they try to set these up in the match, you have to, you have to have a very specific move to land into it. And Bobby Roode had already hit the blockbuster. And it's like, why the hell is Bobby Roode on the top rope in general during this point? Like that part of the match really, I was just like, okay, well I know this is going to be the RKO spot. Like as soon as he climbs to the turnbuckle after, uh, they had already reversed each other's finishers a bazillion times, which is another problem in this match. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm actually kind of lower on this match than probably most people. One, because it was slow and methodical, and two, because they completely relied on how over their finishers were or the lead-up to their finishers and the reversals of finishers. And not reversals in interesting ways, like when you get like AJ versus John Cena, and you have like AJ doing a full front, like front flip out of the AA um, into some other spot. It's just literally like, oh, I pushed him off of me, kind of thing. I get they were going for. I like Bobby Roode, not the biggest Randy Orton fan, but I respect you know him for what he's done in the business. Uh, just wasn't my favorite match, man. I. I I think I think the Jinder Mahal stuff afterwards made sense because I think they're probably going to go three-way to WrestleMania for this title. 
And you yep. could have Jinder Mahal walking out champion, and then Randy Orton may take some time off, and you get Bobby Roode versus Jinder Mahal for a while, which also isn't very interesting. My thing about all three of these people is they have very similar wrestling styles. Obviously, Bobby Roode and Randy Orton are both better than Jinder Mahal, but they both work a slow, methodical pace in the ring. In the day and age of WWE, where the people that are booked, you're going to have, like, for instance, like AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar, where you have, like, okay, here's the monster and here's the fast guy. Or you have, like, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. Like, that's literally how they've trained us to watch it. And then they're giving us what I would consider an old-school match, which is fine. It's like... You can do that, but you have to be able to do that. Like, you have to be able to Terry Funk Ric Flair it. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, yeah. it's just never going to be that memorable. Like, Taker, Triple H, like, that's a slow match. But they're both so good with their in-ring psychology, it makes you care about it more. And I don't know that I really cared about Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode because they just relied on the false finish, like, way too much. Yeah, it's it's like a, like a Hercules versus Dino Bravo match. Like, there's two guys, you know, not really putting too much into the uh, – well, I mean – I'm sure they told a story. I can't remember what the hell it was. It's usually like Randy Orton's going to find somewhere to put the RKO. But, yeah, I, I agree. It is a, a style that's kind of not, not necessarily outdated. It's If you do it with certain emphasis, it's a hell of a lot more appealing than, you know, if you don't. But, yeah, this match still, it was one of my favorites because there's not much on here. And there was only two that really stuck out to me. But we haven't gotten to them, so let's keep on going. There's another match I really just didn't care about at all. I don't even remember what the hell happened during this match. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if I just tuned out. I love all the women involved, but Natalia and Carmella defeated Naomi and Becky Lynch. Carmella capitalized on Lynch being distracted by Natalia, trying to cheat and hit a super kick to hit to win the match. Um, really like all these, these ladies. Natalia, I think she's better as a baby face than a heel. I think she's just kind of annoying as a heel. Carmella is an awesome heel. I, I I hate it because I feel like her money in the bank is just going to be wasted. And just even though Baron Corbin lost his, she's not going to be able to cash it in for whatever reason, especially if she goes after a mania. I don't see her beating Oscar uh, or if somehow Flair uh, beats her. But um, really like Carmella's in-ring stuff. She's, get, she's gotten a hell of a lot better. And the way that she performs in the ring and talking and stuff like that, it puts a lot more into everything. Of course, I love Naomi and Becky Lynch. They're both in past champions, but I just didn't really, like I said, care. This is an extra filler match to give these ladies something to do, and I hate that they don't have enough storylines to actually give them something to do. So that's this is a, this is a SmackDown match. SmackDown match! Chris, how did you like it? I, I thought, though, work in the ring was fine. I, I'm on the same page with you. As, and this is one that, especially after the kind of, low United States Championship match, it was hard for me to really enjoy this as much as I probably should have. Um, I give props to Carmella for actually winning a match with a super kick, so good on her. <laughs> Since there was a ton of super kicks That's in That's a good show. way of looking at it. <laughs> so, like, maybe Carmella is the next Shawn Michaels. She's got the only super kick that fucking works in the business. Um... That All that being said, all jokes aside with the super kick, I, I honestly don't have a problem with people using the super kick at this point because to me it's a secondary move now, uh, similar to the DDT. It shouldn't be, but it is. Uh, I, thought it was a, I thought it was an okay match. 
Um, I agree with you about Natalia. I, I, the thing about every one of her heel runs is they always try to get her to group up with someone. So she can't have an actual heel run. Uh, SmackDown's been really bad about this. Is like, well, now Natalia and Carmella are together because obviously Becky Lynch and Naomi are faces. You know, like I get where they're going for, it, but they're not. There's not a tag team division. Like, why are these cats getting together? Like, I don't know. But I think there is an outside shot that Carmella. I'm. This is a hot take prediction. I think Carmella could win at WrestleMania, and it could be just to get the monkey off Oscar's back and have her get her first defeat uh, to give Carmella a push as a heel and also give Asuka something to do and a bad guy to face. So you could get a weird scenario where Carmella, she has this long, drawn-out match with Charlotte. Carmella comes in, hits her with a chair or something after you know, Asuka has won the title and rolls her up and wins the title. I think that would be a good way to get Carmella heat. I think it'd be a good way to piss the fans off, and I think it gives a reason why you would want to see Asuka beat the shit out of Carmella. And it also sets you up for now Charlotte and Asuka, you don't have the undefeated streak looming. You can kind of do whatever you want with them. Um, you can also do whatever you want with, say, Ronda Rousey. You could start building a streak with her. So the more I've thought about that, the more I think it's plausible that she might cash in a win at WrestleMania. I'm wondering if they're going to do that. I just think that there's also a possibility that she would come out and they're going to want to try to make Oscar even look stronger, and then she, Oscar somehow makes Carmella tap out very quickly um, in some type of situation. Because I do agree they've been making her strong, but she's also kind of had this jokey concept, anyways. I mean, if we can't remember, she had James Ellsworth to win the title for her, so I could see her going down there confident, like she did almost with Charlotte. And then also losing it inevitably because she thinks that she has the upper hand. I don't know. Um, I don't think Charlotte's winning the title. I think it's going to be a situation like that. Carmella does that. The only downside I could see is that it could possibly give Asuka uh, not too good of a rub. Uh, yeah, a lot of people might want to see her beat her, but like a lot of people are not on the Asuka train like me and you. And, you know, judging from the dickheads that we were referencing earlier. You know, I think that if she wins and dominates, that's going to show a lot more potential. And that even fans like us, I don't have a problem with it. Maybe I should ask you if you do. But, like, a lot of people are not too happy um, on the fact that Oscar's not dominating over people. I think it's amazing that she's showing competition. And that back even in NXT, she had long matches with a lot of the competitors that, you know, deserved long matches. So I don't think that it was it, – it's that big of a deal – I, I think she's still displayed as dominant. Even that match against Nia Jax, her being able to take her finally, get her in that lock, and not let go of it until she that you know someone that size is able to like give up. Like that's that shows a lot. So, do you think that potentially if if Carmella were to try to cash in at Mania, could that make her look bad if she beats Oscar? I mean, all right. Here's the thing about being dominant over people. You should be dominant over jobbers. You shouldn't be dominant over the people that you're going to see week after week. Thank you. It's a bad way to build the rest of your roster. Because if Asuka demolishes everyone else on your roster, then you basically have to build someone for her to fight. But everyone else on your roster already looks weak because Asuka has destroyed them. 
like they, it worked with Goldberg. It worked one time. Every time they've ever tried that ever since then, it's failed. It failed Crimson and TNA. It, that doesn't work. That method worked one time because one guy had one particular look, one particular uh, move set. He was an ex-Atlanta Falcon, and that wrestling is based mainly in the South, and that shit got over. And it was mostly getting over because the rest of WCW, besides the Cruiserweight division, was fucking terrible to watch. So Asuka actually having competitive matches against people like Ember Moon, even if she wins them, it makes them look like they had a shot to win. Like they were that close and they got taken away. You could say the same thing about Okada winning all of his matches. And, you know, Omega coming up short. He's still dominant. Like when you look at Okada, you go, he's, well, Okada's fucking dominant. That's how you should be looking at his character. Like who's going to beat this guy? Like, it doesn't matter. You pull out all the stops, he still wins. It doesn't mean that he's not dominant. Like, the Patriots could win by one point in the Super Bowl or whatever. They've been dominant. Did it for such a long period of time that they're dominant. It doesn't matter how they got it done. They just got it done. That's the dominance. It doesn't matter if you beat them in five seconds or 23 minutes and 33 seconds, as long as you get the job done when the bell rings. And the best thing to do is to make your opponent look good so that you can have another match against So to book it, it's like, she should be beating all these people in 30 seconds. That's, like, pretty fucking small-minded. Um, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent, but Carmella beating her, I think, just gives more booking opportunities because you don't have to book around an undefeated streak. And you have a perfect cash-in opportunity. Whether they do it at Mania or they do it on SmackDown or whatever. Because it gets you out of this, well, she needs to be dominant because she's undefeated. And that's exactly what I was going at, is like, that's how people see it, because she has this long undefeated streak. Yep, I agree. And I do think that the whole undefeated concept does need to be buried at some point. So if you get that out of the way, don't have to worry about it. And I'm sure that even if they put it on Carmella, Austin's going to take that damn title back pretty damn quickly. I don't think it's going to go to anyone else before her. Um, but let's keep on going to my fav- one of my favorite matches, Chris. It ended kind of awkwardly, um, to say the least. The SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, the Usos against the New Day, or in this case it was Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston. Um, have, they had a no contest when the Bludgeon Brothers attacked both teams with their shitty hammers. Um, they look like LARPers, I'm sorry. Like, I really, I really loved Luke Harper. But they look like LARPers. Xavier Woods was taken away on a stretcher, and everyone else had to be helped leaving. Um, it was a badass match, though. Uh, one thing I loved about it is they were telling a story that the Usos and the New Day know each other so well that they started performing each, each one's routine moves and finishers on each other. So it was a lot of fun seeing that happen. At one point, right before the Bludgeon Brothers came in, we had uh, the, the, uh, Uso bro- the Usos, do a dive to all three members of the New Day. Um, all of them were knocked on the ground, including Big E. And then you hear the Bludgeon Brothers theme come out. They do a little entrance thing and start decimating them. And I mean decimating, you know, suplexes on the outside, uh, you know, splashes on top of dudes, just completely ripped through both Uso Brothers. 
And then Xavier Woods, amazing sell job. Um, I'm pretty sure, guys, that this is a work with Xavier. I think he was just selling really well, but they took the steel chairs and did their full Nelson powerbomb on top of it. And it looked pretty damn gnarly. So, man, Xavier can sell his ass off. I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't a fun thing anyways regardless. So, you're just emphasizing pain that you're already feeling, especially after dealing with a match like they were doing. That was a fast-paced match. But um, this is definitely going to set up Usos, New Day, Bludgeon Brothers, Mania, for the tag titles. And I think there's a good possibility the Bludgeon Brothers might get the titles at Mania. Chris, how'd you feel about this match? I like the match. Um, this is what I would. This is my was my prediction for match of the night. Honestly, um, I don't know that it got there because of the interference, but I think subbing Xavier Woods in when they do these matches makes a lot of sense. I think he has really good chemistry against the, Us- the Usos, especially in this specific situation. I think his selling is always on point. I also think Xavier Woods is one of the most underrated wrestlers in wrestling today. I, I, I know that people really love the gimmick and they really agree like what's on the mic, but he's a damn good wrestler. He kind of always has been. Um, and his ability to turn it on and off and do video games and do all this other stuff and stay relevant like this. They've kept the new day relevant in a time period where things fade so very fast. Uh, it's, it's been super impressive. And that, that goes to all those. That's credit to all those guys. That's so not taking anything away from biggie. I like biggie. I like Kofi. I always thought Kofi was a good wrestler. It's just Xavier Woods is still the standout guy. And I think that you could go out of this with, the Bludgeon Brothers getting out of control, really injuring Xavier Woods at WrestleMania, and then maybe you split the New Day up into two separate things, whatever you wanted to do there, whether you want to push Big E or Xavier. I think Kofi at this point is kind of just Kofi. Unless you're going to have Kofi Kingston win the Royal Rumble, I don't know that there's a way to get him back over. Um, outside of being part of the New Day, but I honestly think uh, that the Usos still walk out tag team champions at WrestleMania. It can, because that's kind of been what they've been doing. They've been surviving. That's what the Usos have been doing. So I, I like that storyline. I see them dropping the titles to the Bludgeon Brothers, but I don't want them to drop them right away. I want it to be a more painful, long, kind of drawn-out story of them getting demolished to the point where they just can barely wrestle, and then the Bludgeon Brothers beat them. And then maybe they take some time off or whatever they want to do and then come back. Or they get split up in the draft or something weird like that. The Usos are probably... The Usos and the New Day are the best tag teams I've seen in the past 10 years. Uh, If you look at, like, Mike Skill's ability in the ring, what they've been able to accomplish at the level that they've been able to accomplish it at... The only team that I even put near them is probably the Young Bucks, which is weird in general because the Young Bucks are almost no, – I, I don't want to say a comedy gimmick, but they definitely have comedy aspects to them, but they can turn it on and turn it off whenever they want. And you can say the same thing about the New Day. So I, I would say those are the top three best tag teams I've seen in the past 10 years. Um, minus, you know, like, I don't know, Anderson and, Anderson and Gallo's in New Japan is pretty damn good. 
but I don't think they ever had like the mic skills that would those three like those three tag teams have and, and the chemistry that those guys have. Um, it's been kind of nuts to watch New Day versus the Usos. It's been this rivalry that I've been clamoring for for years, where it almost feels old school. Uh, like Ric yeah. Flair, Terry Funk, Ric Flair, uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, or uh, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, like that kind of feud where they respect each other, they don't like each other, and you know you're going to get a banger of a match. So it's I, – I don't see the Bludgeon Brothers winning. I hope Usos walk out, and I hope it comes down to – even if it's a three-way where it's like the day of – the Usos' title reign or whatever, as I've said in the past, where they're about to break that record, maybe you have the New Day win it back or something. Because I feel like that's a really cool storyline. The other cool storyline you could do is to break up the New Day or at least jump out one member. And to me, Xavier Woods is your guy. Um, maybe they don't think that. Maybe Xavier Woods doesn't think that. But I, I still think that he has so much potential. Given the right push, given the right wins, you put him against someone like Kevin Owens – you give him something, a former champion to go against Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn being NXT champ, obviously, not WWE champ. Or even an AJ Styles, maybe beating AJ Styles in a match or something crazy. I, I think there's a lot you could do there uh, with his character. Yeah, I feel you. And uh, I don't know, uh, one of the things that I could think of uh, – I mean, we're going to get to it, but um, Raw needs some some tag teams, some good tag teams. I love everything. Like, at least SmackDown might not do anything for some friggin' reason with some of their tag teams, but they have better tag teams, I think, structured. Yeah, there's the bar. Yeah, there's the club. And, yeah, there's a revival. But they don't display them enough. And then there's a bunch of other – and the bar's kind of like the same concept, like a Rhino and Heath Slater, like two guys, single wrestlers put together. Usos lose. Usos go to Raw, bring a lot of gravitas in the tag division, a lot more competition, especially what might happen post-Mania, which, like I said, we'll get to. It involves Braun Strowman. I'll give you that hint if you're not keeping up with stuff. Um, and then New Day stay on there and battle with uh, the Bludgeon Brothers. And get Benjamin and Gable back into the picture again. Like, they should just fade off like you guys did to the uh, – to Fandango a couple months back when they were having a lot of a uh, a lot of a push and I was like oh never mind <clears throat> whatever so but I love what this is what this is doing and I hope one day we'll be able to see Young Bucks Usos and New Day in a TLC match I think that would be amazing if that could ever happen but a lot of stuff has to work in between that let's go to our next match uh, the second to last match of the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Charlotte Flair defeated Ruby Riot. Flair fought off interference from the Riot Squad and locked the figure eight to win the match and retain the women's championship. But after the match, Royal Rumble winner Asuka showed up and started pointing gleefully at the WrestleMania sign, saying, Asuka versus Charlotte at Mania. Yes! Chris, how did you feel about this match? All right, so the match itself, I enjoyed. I thought it was a pretty good match. I think Asuka could have came out sooner and just demolished the rest of the the Riot Squad. 
I think that would have been the right thing to do to make Charlotte actually look like she was losing, and then Oscar just comes out and demolishes them and just kind of stands there. I mean, is the surprise pointing at the sign, or is the surprise that Oscar wants to fight Charlotte? Because the well, other way, the, the way that they booked this, it made Charlotte look like she could beat up three people, <laughs> and it made the yeah. riot squad look absolutely useless. So That's you're still going to get the same pop either way, whether Oscar shows up at the end of the match or to help Charlotte because she wants to fight Charlotte which could have been part of an entire promo. She's like, the only reason I came out and saved you is because you were fighting three people, and I want to fight you one-on-one. Like, there's ways that you could have booked that in, and it would have been a lot better than what they did. Because people showing up and pointing at this WrestleMania sign at this point is just fucking obnoxious. Um, But that's a different subject for a different day. But uh, the match itself I thought was okay other than that. Like, you know, Charlotte having to beat the Miztourage, basically was fine. I like that she got the win. I like the interaction afterwards. I am stoked on the fact that it's going to be Oscar versus Charlotte. I totally didn't think it was going to happen. I kind of wavered back and forth the past two weeks that we talked about it on whether it would happen or not. I think you kind of stuck with it. Nailed your yep. predictions, but I was wavering back and forth just because I didn't know what they wanted to do with Ronda, but they went the route of what we talked about, uh, her teaming with Kurt, which to me still seems like a terrible idea because intergender tag matches in WWE are not great. So this makes the most sense. I think it's going to be awesome to see Charlotte Flair. Can't wait to see whatever fucking crazy ass robe she has. I hope Asuka also comes out in a new crazy ass robe and we just have a, a wardrobe battle. <laughs> uh, but no, you know what would be, be awesome? Match. It's not going to happen, Chris. You know what would be awesome, though? is if Asuka paid tribute to the soon-to-be-retired Keiji Muto and came out in whatever was the first makeup attire that great Muta had when he went against Ric Flair for the first time. Take a little bit of research, but that would be fucking awesome, and not a lot of people get that except for us, Marks. Just saying. What if she's getting hit with a figure eight and kind of gets out of it still in the figure four, and then out of nowhere she spits green mist? That would be awesome. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. They won't do it, but that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> As a fan, I would mark the, way, the fuck out. I'd be like, Asuka's the best. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, so Keiji Muto, a.k.a. the Great Muto, uh, had his last moonsault. I don't know what that means. I, he's on his, like, last run. He's just like a liger, uh, almost done. He looks great for his age, though, man. He definitely kept in shape, but... uh well, the best, man. If you guys want to see one of the best guys at Mystique, check out his matches with Ric Flair, Sting, and a lot of the stuff that he did in All Japan. I mean, just look up the Great Muda's matches. They're, they're fucking incredible. Uh, Shining Wizard is one of the most devastating-looking moves that I've ever seen. Like, when I first saw that move, I thought that he killed someone. I'm not kidding you. It's, um, it's, it only looks good when he does it, too, is the crazy part. Because there's people in WWE I, that do the step off the knee kick, and I'm always like, and they're like, oh, it's a shining wizard. And every time I rewind it back, and I'm like, that's a shitty looking shiny wizard. Dude, <laughs> there, I mean, there's been I some good ones, but like in comparison to what Buddha does, it's like, oh, kind of oh, shitty yeah. looking. I don't know. Well, no, you know, <laughs> I was watching uh, NXT, and 
the one that he does or that Adam Cole does to the back of the head, that looks devastating, but I just don't like the fact that they do that to the back of the head. Like, but yeah, you're right. Most people cannot do the shining wizard like Keiji Muto can do it. I mean, it was, it was this thing, man. And his moonsault's pretty flawless as well. You know, but let's get to the six pack challenge, Christopher. We got AJ Styles right. who defeated Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, and John Cena. Um, see, right at the start of this match, John Cena literally gets everyone in his move except for AJ Styles. Gives an AA to every guy. And I, actually, I have to say, I kind of marked out. I thought it was awesome. I also thought it was awesome that AJ stepped forward, tricked him, and then got the better of him. Um, this is a fun match. I mean, it was actually pretty decently organized for having six people involved in it. Uh, it went everywhere. Uh, at one point, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler were fighting in the crowd. Um, there was a spot where AJ was trying to put Kevin through the table. Kevin got out. Um, and then John Cena shortly after that got involved and then threw AJ through the other table from an AA, knocking him out of the good, good portion of the ending of the match. We had a part where Sami Zayn accidentally kicked Shane McMahon at ringside. Or no, no, Kevin Owens trying to super kick Sami Zayn accidentally kicked Shane McMahon at ringside after a part where Sami basically revealed that he was going to try to roll up Kevin and it was all ploy. Um, Owens had the match won with a pop-up powerbomb and Ziggler, but Shane pulled him out of the or pulled the ref out of the ring. Then Zayn capitalized with a hell of a kick, uh, but Shane pulled him out of the ring. Styles retained title after a phenomenal forearm to Owens for the win. Favorite match tonight. Tag team probably would have been if it kept on going to get interfered. But this was actually, like I said, it was it was chaotic. But I've seen a lot more matches where it was this many people, where their sequences were all out the window. It was just more about like brawling and the ridiculousness. Kind of like that one where, uh, where where Braun destroyed Brock very quickly into it. Um, but this one was much more organized. I enjoyed Love Spot. And this prompted John Cena to realize that he's just going to have to sit with the fans at WrestleMania. He can't be in it. He doesn't have a road. Or does he? Uh, Chris, how did you feel about the six-pack challenge? Oh, man. The intro to this match immediately got me tilted. <laughs> like I'm like, he's hitting a finisher right off the bat. I guess I get it, but at the same time, it's he hit it on four people. <laughs> it's like, like, especially Kevin Owens, who's supposed to be your smart heel. Like, the guy that always yeah, dumps out of the ring. Forward? We go, like, why would Kevin Owens do that? So, I kind of had a problem just from ring psychology. I get why they did it, because they were like, let's get John Cena shit in. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that spot. I liked the majority of the rest of the match. I think Baron Corbin hit, like, one of the best deep sixes I've ever seen <laughs> on AJ Styles. I think he went around, like, 12 times instead of <laughs> his normal spin. AJ Styles is the king of selling, and it was amazing. Um, there's a lot of good things to take from this match. I think it was brought down heavily by Shane McMahon being at ringside. Why the fuck was he there? Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had absolutely no advantage in this match, especially the way they booked it, where Kevin Owens didn't trust Sami and Sami didn't trust Kevin Owens. So Shane McMahon being there is just, to me, was fucking stupid. And I think he ruined what could have been like a really great match. 
in all honesty. I think that that, like, screwing Kevin Owens, unless you're going to turn Kevin Owens babyface, unless you're going to have him go full after McMahon as a babyface, this makes absolutely no fucking sense. You're setting up to a match that no one cares about. You're going to have a three-way match at Mania with Sammy, Kevin versus Shane, I'm guessing. I guess, or maybe a handicap match or a tag match, which no one will give a shit about. The entire thing is... The storyline doesn't work. <laughs> it, it Like, it really doesn't. On a bunch of different <laughs> levels, because you don't have... Like, if he's just constantly... He, he's supposed to be the baby face, and he's constantly fucking over Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and they're not getting enough heel heat to actually get it back, in my opinion, like to get Shane back for being fucked over, they seem like they're more of the Stone Cold character. It's like they're trying to roll reverse, and it just doesn't work because Shane's not his dad. He's not Vince McMahon. He's not... Unless you're going to turn him full Vince McMahon heel, this shit doesn't work, and I fucking hate it. Kevin Owens was great on Twitter this week. All of his tweets were fucking hilarious. Um... Outside of that, like, I thought everyone in the match looked good, which is good. Uh, I thought Dolph Ziggler sold the most. He seemed like he was getting his ass kicked the entire time, which is kind of unfortunate for him. He was. Um, <laughs> but he he did have a great Famouser out of the AA, which was cool. I, I thought that was a cool spot. Um, There's a bunch of cool spots in the match, but I, I'm just not a huge fan of six-pack challenges in general because – to me, if the match is no disqualification, why are you not – like, if you're Kevin Owens, why aren't you showing up with a buggy full of shit to beat the fuck out of people with? And why aren't you attacking oh. them before the match even starts? Because you know it's no disqualification. Like, right off the bat, you should be hitting people with stuff. But, I mean, that's the thing that, like, that's why hardcore matches worked is because it's like, well, it's no DQ, so I can just beat the shit out of this guy however I want. And I'm not necessarily clamoring for that. It's just you don't really need it. You could just do a ref bump. If you want to do DQ spots through tables, you could just have the ref take a bump and be, like, knocked out. You know what I mean? And then if you want to do the Shane McMahon spot, he just takes the ref spot again. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of things I disliked about it. There's a lot of things I liked about it. I think that if they didn't throw the Bludgeon Brothers in that tag match, that would have easily stole the show. But uh, it was cool seeing AJ Styles retain. But him and him and Dolph Ziggler took the most ass-whipping in that match, so it was kind of weird. <laughs> That's a good At point. They're usually the ones doing the most work. Yeah. Um, I did like the match, and I agree with you on all your points of what made it crappy. One thing that I definitely want to emphasize, though, is People that think that Baron Corbin's a, a bad entering wrestler, man, for his size, man, that dude can move uh, in a way that reminds me a lot of, like, how Scott Hall was in as Razor Ramon in the 90s. For, like, a guy that that size, the whole, like, running out, coming back in, doing the clothesline thing, the deep six, uh, his finisher after the, on top of my head. Like, I've really he, – he talks like Keanu Reeves. That, that's how he gets promos, like an angry Keanu Reeves. But – I really do like Baron Corbin, and he was a lot of fun in this match. But we got to run through Raw pretty quickly, Chris. Um, want to get all the main points. So some of the stuff we're just going to breeze through a little bit. Um, let's see if we can do this. We got 35 minutes. Yeah, we got plenty of time. All right, so this is one of the bigger parts. The show opened with Kurt Angle, who announced Brock Lesnar would not be making an appearance at Raw. 
tried to keep on going. Roman Reigns' uh, entrance music interrupted him and came to the ring and said that Lesnar doesn't respect anyone and that if anyone else kept skipping work, they lose their job. Reigns said this man was the problem because he protects Lesnar and went to confront the WWE CEO. By the way, he also said that that Brock Lesnar is Vince McMahon's um, boy or whatever. We all know in, in reality that's Roman. And if anything, I think uh, Brock Lesnar is the reason why the bags underneath Vince McMahon's eyes are as big as they are. I'm assuming a little bit. Um, after the first break, uh, well, actually, he goes and get Reigns gets into McMahon's face. You have Shane, who for some reason's there, um, try to like get between them. Roman's like, I'm not talking to you. Real badass like. Um, after the break, uh, McMahon spoke to Renee Young after Roman stormed out um, and said that while he had no intention of disrespecting Roman, he has to remember to know your role and shut your mouth like his cousin Barack. He promised that Lesnar will be on Raw next week, which I doubt, and gave Reigns temporary suspension for confronting him in the control room. So that's 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 the limit. We have uh, Titus O'Neil. You pat, pat him on the shoulder. You're out of here. Roman Reigns. Tells him off, you're out of here. Uh, Kevin Owens, headbutt, um, still doing all right. Um, whatever. Great. <laughs> How did you like this opening part? I like that. I like that Kevin Owens was probably suspended, but they didn't send the contract, like the suspension notice in French Canadian, so he didn't understand it. That's how I always looked at it, at least. Okay. <laughs> he's like, I'm from. He's like, I'm from Montreal. I can't read that. Um. <laughs> I, I thought it was fine. Uh, the, my big problem with this is you tell people Lesnar is going to be there at the beginning of the show so that they watch to the end of the show. Doing it at the very beginning of the show, if you're a Lesnar fan, makes you not care about the rest of the show. So that was my big problem with it. You used to be like, oh, Lesnar's showing up. And then midway through the show, you tease maybe he's not showing up, and then you get this promo. And then at the end of the show, you do this segment. So to me, it's almost like a bad set list. But outside of that, I mean, it was fine. I, I think that's a good point. Not only that, but, like, the fact that you're promoting such a huge name at your thing and people pay money, and then it's like, oh, well, he's not really here. That's an, that's an angle. Oh, okay, well, screw you. That's one of your biggest selling points is Brock Lesnar. Uh, but, you know, they're doing their thing. I don't think he's going to be here until Mania. I think that we're going to have Brock Lesnar – not make it on Raw just to build uh, Roman. And I don't know how well of a job they're doing. I think it's still kind of forceful. At first I thought it was good. Now I'm kind of, eh, especially like the the interaction with him saying that Brock's his guy. Some of that didn't work for me. But either way, let's go to the first match. Sasha Banks defeated Sonya Deville. Banks won by submission with the bank statement. Absolution ganged up on Banks after Bailey uh, had left ringside. Yeah, so Bailey came out with their – um, just really hesitant and like very mopey and me like that. That's that's the vibe that I got off of Bailey. And she sat. She was at ringside and just leaves her. And then eventually, you know, Absolution getting up on uh on on Banks and Bailey wasn't there to help her, which is leading up more stuff for what I think will either be the the women's uh battle royal that they'll be involved in, which will probably be the primary story going on in that if that's the case, or they'll have their own match. So I don't know. Um, after that, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor were on Miz CV, and despite Miz's best offers to turn them against each other, neither guy fell for it. They did eventually start uh, trying to set up a match, or no, they 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 get up with the Miz, 
and they looked like they were going to go off on each other, and then they looked at the Miz and started beating the crap out of him. Um, and it's playing for a match for later between Rollins and Finn Balor. Uh, between the first match and something that happened with Sasha and Bailey, and then the interaction on uh, with the Miz, Finn Balor, and Seth Rollins, leading up to a Finn Balor, uh, Seth Rollins match later on. How'd you like those segments? Sasha Banks uh, defeating Sonya Deville and then getting beat down made sense. They're just building towards that angle. I don't know what it does for Absolution, but it builds the feud for you know Sasha and Bailey. I wish they were putting more of an edge on Bailey and not making her look like the mopey sad friend. Uh, but outside of that, I, I think it was fine. They're definitely building towards something uh, with that. It's going to be a mania. It'd be awesome if, like, super, like, they're both really mad at each other and then super happy Carrie Zane shows up and beats both of them. <laughs> but. <laughs> that's just well wishing. That's not going to happen. But that when like our Ember Moon shows up and she just demolishes them both. I'm just so tired of this storyline, man. I would really love like Ember Moon or a Carrie Zane to show up and just like just straight beat both of them in a three way. <laughs> like at this point, and just like they're like, holy shit, <laughs> we need to focus on our singles career and stop being friends. Because it's it's just annoying at this point. They've they've drug it out too long. This whole Miztourage segment, it's just like the Miztourage just falls in the slot. They're like this is our mid. This is like basically WCW's like three cruiserweight matches. Um, they're like we're gonna build feuds off this. Here it is, and they throw it in there, and it's fine. I mean, it is whatever it is. But the tag team division on Raw, in my opinion, sucks. It's not that they have bad tag team wrestling. It's just that they haven't built it oh, right. Oh, going ahead. No, 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 we're I'm talking about, about the... the we're talking Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, Miz TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you were? I thought you were going the, into the tag match next. No, I didn't go into the tag match. The 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 bar... The, well, I mean, they came... I mean, that was right after. But, I mean, like, Miz was fine. This is just definitely a build for Seth Rollins and Finn. We can split it up if you want. But, I mean, it was definitely a, a build for Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. My only question here is how many, like... Multi-man matches we're going to do at Mania. Because to me, Miz is going to have a match. Like, Miz is going to have a match at Mania. So you're assuming it's against these two guys. Maybe Finn wins because of the club. Because they don't really have anything for them to do in theory. Because I feel like it's going to be bar revival for for the tag title match. Unless they do another three-way. But they're building these storylines with three people in each storyline, which is a which is a big problem. But anyways, go ahead and continue. I don't. I didn't want to jump ahead. I just like to me these these two those segments just ran together. So my bad. Oh no problem. Um, we can talk about that. The bar came out. They're supposed to have a match with the Miztourage. That never happened. All the tag teams came out. Just started beating the crap out of the bar, throwing them around everywhere. Um, and basically, what was ordered is what we'll have. The bar, whoever wins this battle war between all the other tag teams, would end up going against the bar at Mania. Um, and uh, that's, we'll get there. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with the segment itself. Uh, just kind of where the tag division's at. I think that's kind of what you're getting at, too, 
We'll add that in with uh, John Cena then came out and said he would be attending WrestleMania as a fan. And he goes on this whole entire rant about how great it will be to be a fan and maybe they'll sit there next to you, goes out in the audience, gets uh, this Chewbacca-looking kid, uh, takes a little bit of his beer, drinks it, and then says, well, you know, if I'm not going to WrestleMania, what, what's, I don't have anything to worry about. Like, I can't get in trouble. If anything, I mean, the back has just cut my mic. So he challenges The Undertaker, and they said it many times. And then he cut a promo on Taker and said that he was egotistical and that he needs to get over himself and that he's not too old and all this other stuff. I'm telling you, it was something that actually made me want The Undertaker and him, which I didn't want beforehand, like I said. I don't want Undertaker getting hurt. But um, my prediction, I have two of them. Both of them are pretty bold. Um, one, this is going to be American Badass Undertaker going back and forth with, uh, Cena a couple times, uh, to really make it something different because I think the Deadman gimmick should have died with the Roman Reigns match. He put that whole entire thing to rest. And you got Kid Rock there. He can do the American Badass thing, do some shit like that. Come out on the bike. It'll be fun. And two, I think Cena's going to job to Taker. I think this is going to be Taker's last match, but it's going to give him one last notch, one last win, you know, I think that John's someone humbled enough where he's going to have other matches, he's going to have other wins, putting over Taker is going to do nothing or bad for him, but that might not happen, but that's what I think. But uh, how'd you feel, Chris? I think if you do this match, uh, the John Cena versus Undertaker match, make it a 30-minute, no-overtime Iron Man match and have neither of them. And the reason I say this is Undertaker doesn't really need another loss at WrestleMania, and John Cena beating The Undertaker doesn't mean anything, but him losing to The Undertaker makes him look weaker than people that have beat The Undertaker, a.k.a. Roman Reigns. I think doing the biker gimmick with Undertaker would be great. I don't know that they'll pull the trigger on that. I do think they should not do American Badass. It should do the original theme song, which is Keep Rolling by Limp Biscuit, just because that should be hilarious. And uh, as far as the tag, the tag thing goes, it's just they don't know what to do with the tag team division. They're doing the thing SmackDown did where they throw them into elimination tag matches or, you know, whatever number one contender matches. And at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, the bar versus the revival. So why not just build the rival up? I think that's what they're going to go for there. But, yeah, as far as, like, John Cena's promo – was awesome. The fact that he went out and started drinking beer with the crowd, it had been really funny after all these years if someone had came out and been like, hey, you got to get out of there, like a Shane McMahon or a Vince McMahon, and then he cut a what promo on with the crowd. Like, oh, that would have been awesome. Like, because you know how many times people have chanted what at John Cena? Like, how hilarious would that have been? But, like, outside of that, like, I agree with you. You're trying to get John Slinger to pop. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I I would love, like, I would have loved if John Cena sat in the crowd the entire night with a microphone and randomly started, like, CM Punk chants or, like, just, like, all of the bullshit wrestling chants just to make them uncool. Like, almost like telling a dad joke. Because, like, you have this 50-50 on whether you hate John Cena or not. But, like, what if, like, during the middle of, like, you know, 
this tag match, John Cena, or like after this tag match, the next, the, whatever the next match was, like Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins, he just started a CM Punk chant like randomly. <laughs> like I think there was a lot more they could have done with that. Maybe only I would have appreciated it, but I thought the promo was great. Like it, it did make me want to see the match, but at the same time, I just know like I really don't want to see Undertaker have another match because I feel like I saw his best match. Like I feel like I've seen. Undertaker's best. Should have been that end of an era. Should have been that end of an era, man. That should have been his last match in the Triple H for the second that, time after it, to Triple H to Sean. Yeah, that should have been it. And that wasn't that wasn't even his best match, but that would have been a good walking no. out. Like him, like him versus Sean one was his best match. Him versus Sean two, probably his second best match. Unless you're gonna like yep. throw like Mick Foley doing stupid fucking shit, like getting thrown eighty five yards off a cage into a tape. That was more just Mick Foley as a, like being the craziest person I've ever seen in my fucking life, uh, which elevated that match. But like, as far as like actual match quality and shit, like HBK versus Taker one, HBK versus Taker two, those are Undertaker's best matches. And I don't think that they needed to step outside there. You could have done the Triple H thing, had him ride off in the sunset. That's fine. It's, it's cool that he wanted to wrestle. They don't have anyone they didn't do Sting versus Taker is part of the problem. They didn't do, yep. you know, Finn versus Taker. They did – they're going to do Roman and John Cena. They're going to do McMahon's guys versus Taker, which I'm not saying Cena and Taker can't have a good match. I'm sure that if, if Undertaker's healthy, him and John Cena can have a good match. It'll be a good match, but it'll be the same amount of good match that we saw with Roman Reigns versus Undertaker. But yeah. All right. Since we we gotta fly through stuff now, um, and I definitely want to talk about that last thing soon. Elias appeared in the neck brace and started his concert, then pointed at the fans and said, "This is your fault," and left. Finn Balor went against Seth Rollins. Um, good match. Good wrestling. Rollins had a superplex. And as he went to go for a Falcon Arrow, Balor reversed it into a small package for the win. thought that was a really clever way to do it just because the guys know each other. And um, uh, just really out of nowhere, and I, I think that Balor could have used the uh, the win. Um, we'll go over Oscar next. But what did you think about these two segments? I think um, Elias is probably one of the most popular wrestlers on Raw right now. And I was fine with the segment. He's just selling his injury um, and also putting over Braun. Uh, Finn versus Seth. I, I think it was cool that he rolled it out of the Falcon Arrow and actually won the match. Like, I thought that was a pretty good match overall. Yeah, those dudes have really good chemistry. For sure. Asuka came out to explain her challenging Charlotte Flair uh, for the WrestleMania match. Alexa Bliss and Mickey James interrupted. Said Oscar is smart, not challenging for Bliss Raw um, Women's Championship. Oscar said she wants to face the best champion in WWE, and that's not Bliss. Oscar said she beat Bliss once, and she can beat her right now. Bliss said she would be facing a different opponent. Um, Try to, you know, relate to the back. Obviously, it was Nia Jax. She didn't come out, and then uh, Mickey James uh, sucker punched Oscar, leading to a match where Oscar defeated Mickey James. Oscar made uh, James tap out with the Oscar lock. 
After the match, Bliss stormed in the back, leaving James alone in the ring. Backstage, Bliss told Nia Jax she loves her and made her promise that she'll be there in her corner next week for the match against Asuka, just like Bliss has always been there in Jax's corner. So this is, this is a there's a little bit more that unfolds with this, but this is a pretty good thing so far setting up. Um, another situation where I wish that they would have given a little more patience with Asuka due to her, her language difference. Um, good match with her and Mickey James. They have really good um, chemistry. I think there's something NXT was a lot of fun when Mickey James came up there. Um, but, yeah, all the stuff building with Nia Jax and uh, Bliss will get to the end of it. Chris, how would you like those three segments? I thought the Oscar and Mickey James match was really, really good. I think Mickey James sold really, really well in that match. There's one spot where she kicks and she like uh, she catches the kick where she's in the sitting position and she looked like she absolutely died. So if you watch this back, definitely check that out. Uh, I love Mickey James um, and also love Oscar. And I think it makes sense having Oscar beat Mickey James here. They were trying to get rid of the Mickey James alliance with Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is basically building the entire roster around her as friends at this point. Uh, the Nia Jax stuff, it just doesn't make sense to me because Nia Jax is supposed to be this monster heel and she's like consistently getting tricked by Alexa Bliss. Um, and I kind of didn't understand what she was saying. I guess like Bliss, like Jax is going against Asuka next week. Is that where they were going for? And Bliss is going to be there. Bliss is going against Asuka. Okay, and she's expecting Nia Jax to save her. Okay, that makes more sense. I, I was just completely confused on what they were saying during that segment, which is fine, but I I, I, I still see that Asuka walks out winning that match or you get a DQ. Uh, a DQ Asuka win, maybe. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's fine. I just don't know where you do it with Nia at mania other than have her win the women's battle royal unless she comes out and just obliterates alexa bliss like who's alexa bliss facing at this point nia are they Jackson, building to nia versus problem. yeah it's going to be nia versus bliss right so you got to do something suspect here well this kind of goes into it this is uh, the second to last thing but nia Jax comes out she defeats uh, local talent joan king um, Jax won by pinfall after Simone dropped very quickly. After the match, Jax overheard. Well, basically what happened is they were going to have an interview with Bliss and Mickey James. Um, uh, interview bot, I forgot what her name is, number one, um, didn't get there, but everything was mic'd and the camera was rolling. So Bliss and James are trash-talking backstage, Bliss admitting she uses Jax for her benefit, calling her at, what, what did they call her at one point? It was it was a little bit much, honestly. But as a TV show, they're not supposed to be good people, or at least we know uh, I have Mickey's now uh, heel, I guess. But Lucky's supposed to be not a good person. But if you know any of the situation with Alexa Bliss and the fact that she is best friends with Nia Jax in real life, and Alexa Bliss had a lot of issues, uh, uh, body issues growing up and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's. It's the fact that they keep on making her as a heel where she goes after the looks of the other person, whether it be Bailey or Nia now. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so um, Charlie, that's her name. Charlie uh, finally told Bliss and James that they were on a microphone and they get the hell out of Dodge. They get the hell out of there. Um, 
Nia goes on a, I guess, a bronze spree, sort of. She, she destroyed a couple suitcases, I believe, and was really pissed off not to find them and wanted to destroy them. She kind of, like, left the ring. Nia Jax's performance was great. Uh, her, her, you know, very good and emotional last week and this week. And then going down, and then as soon as she got right towards the end of the ramp, she just went ballistic, went in the back looking for him. Thought it was uh, very convincing. So we're definitely, well, not definitely, but most likely going to have Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I like both ladies. Uh, I think out of the two championship matches, don't expect the most wrestling to be involved in that. But I think they'll tell a good story. Chris, uh, how are you about this whole entire thing with that ending part? I'm completely fine with it. At this point, I would say you have to have Jax win the title at Mania. They're trying to make her a baby face, which is hard to do because of the way they built her. Uh, just making fun of her weight and et cetera, what they're doing with her body type. It's just really weird to have Mickey James involved in this because like, they literally had a storyline that was where Michelle McCool and some other people called her Piggy James, talking about the yep. six-time woman's champion. So involving her with this stuff again, to me, as a huge Mickey James fan, kind of pisses me off, and it should piss other people off, I guess, more, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it's fine. They're both heels at this point, so I get what they're going for, but, like, there's it's other way to be healed and just, yeah, just, like, being like, you're fat. It's like, well, fucking, you know, King Mabel was fat as fuck, but you still the he still won King of the Ring, bro. Like, that doesn't matter. Yokozuna was a world champion. Like, what is your yeah, point? This is wrestling. It's not like Undertaker was ever like, Yokozuna, you're fat, and that's why I'm going to bury you or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can come up with come up with something more creative. That would be like if someone made fun of Kevin Owens for his weight. It's like, yeah, but he can do a sport-legged moonsault. So, <laughs> or eight-second rope rotating moonsault like that's just ridiculous man body shit it just like it's already bad enough it's such in it's in such the public eye now that like even if you're being a heel it's it's just not a good look on a pg show which is what they're going for but anyways now we have more of a reason for nia Jax to absolutely destroy her which we've been looking forward to for a while or at least as a fan i've been but, like, I hope Nia Jax destroys Bliss because it's been month after month after month. So, hopefully that comes yep. to fruition, and we'll see. Well, we need to see her win so she can take the title back home to her boyfriend, Enzo. Oh, wait, that's not there anymore. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so, the last thing that happened, so we have this battle royal between all tag teams, and we're about to start it. And then, <laughs> Ron Strowman comes to the ring and challenges all tag teams and gets into the ref's face. And the ref's like, you got to get out of here. He's like, I'm the bell! Just angry as hell, talking everyone out. It was a fine battle royal, I guess. But, yeah, Braun won it. Um, and apparently he's going against Sheamus and Cesaro uh, at Mania for the tag team titles. Now, there's two ways you can go about this. The way that I think they're going to go is throw someone with, Braun, possibly um, Elias, just because he's really hot right now, uh, and they've had, like, chemistry somewhat. Well, at least Braun's beating the shit out of him. 
but force them into it. You can get some, like, good segments, I guess. Or you can let Braun just do it. I mean, your, your tag division is already just a joke. You can start building up after Mania, but let Braun just be the tag team champion by himself. I think that's ridiculous. But Matt Morgan, I believe, did it in TNA. Um, he's definitely a size where it's believable, I guess. It's better than the bar. I can't do it anymore with them. I need to get uh, just change it up. And at least if this situation, they found something for Braun to do. I really would like Elias to host WrestleMania. I think that would be great for him to be able to do, uh, to bring out his character. But if he's going to be in a match, I could see him getting paired with Braun. Chris, I'm pretty sure you did not like this at all. So uh, let me know. Uh, what, what, what did you think? I fucking hated it because I think it buried a division that already needs help. If you're going to do it, Braun teaming with Elias makes sense. Uh, you get the Kane, Daniel Bryan type type comedy or the Rock Kane type comedy out of it. But at the same time, I don't want Braun as a comedy character. I think Braun is a main eventer. So if you're going to book him, he should win the shit by himself. And then maybe Elias shows up and just becomes his tag team partner, and then you can just have him destroy Elias some more. I, I just think it makes your entire tag division look dumb when you do something like this. I hated it when it was like the Rock and Sock connection. I've hated it. it. You're building other tag teams with main event guys that are just absolutely going to demolish them. And it always, what happens when that guy leaves, when they drop the title, it doesn't matter that they lost or dropped the title. It just means that they no longer hold the title, so someone else can have it. Um, and it makes everyone else in the division look weak, and it takes a long time to rebuild the tag division. Unless you draft the Usos back, you're going to have a hard time coming out of this. Well, I agree with you, but this uh, real question, if it's Braun Strowman by himself against the Bart WrestleMania, is Braun Strowman going to become the tag team champion, if you will. I mean, probably, because they like to do ridiculous stuff with Braun Strowman, but is it a good idea? No, because I think it hurts the tag division, and I don't think that Braun Strowman needs it. I think Braun Strowman should just show up to the match, demolish all of them, and just, like, leave. And he's like, I don't need no partner. And just fucking leave. Well, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do this dumb thing, I think you should have Braun Strowman whip all of their asses, not pin any of them, and just leave. And then you can put the title on whoever you want because you haven't really built a tag team besides the bar. So if you want the revival to win the title here, they can win the title. If you want Carl and Luke to win the title, you you could do that. There's so many things you could do off of that that maybe that's where they're going, but I don't think they're smart enough to do that. I think you might be right. They literally might have Braun Strowman win the tag belt by himself. It's so ridiculous. Uh, and not only that, he's going to lose it at some point. So, I mean, anything is going down, but I could see this being WWE's compromise concept. Um, God, it should be him and Brock Lesnar, but whatever. One last segment I want to talk to you about, Chris, is the big thing that happened at SmackDown at the end. Shane McMahon um, made his WrestleMania announcement saying that he would be taking a leave of absence as commissioner, and uh, GM Dan O'Brien would be going in that alone uh, for the next several weeks. He said his last thing that he was going to do was have Sami Zayn 
against Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Um, and then Owens and Zayn came out. They looked like they were going to have problems between each other, and they both beat the living shit out of Shane, uh, doing the whole entire destroying his trachea thing with the chair around his neck, slamming into that. Shane, for the most part, did some amazing selling, which Shane has always been pretty damn gifted at. Weird noises in the back, but I guess he was trying to go for, like, if his throat collapsed or whatever. Uh, they powerbombed him on a big metal uh, whatever thing. Uh, it was brutal. Uh, he definitely took an ass kicking. So, Shane's out. I think at Mania it's going to be the three of them in a hardcore match. Yes, another three-way. Uh, just I just feel that's going to possibly – and then maybe Daniel Bryan will be the referee or some shit like that to uh, have a spot at Mania. Um, but the one thing, and I agree with you, uh, that we'll that we'll talk about real quickly is the fact that within this, even though Shane got his ass kicked, people still should be siding with Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn technically because they keep on getting screwed over by him. So it's, it's got some weird shit involved into it. But yeah, Shane, it, I, I really think it's going to be three of them at Mania. But Shane did good with selling, and uh, Sami and Kevin just beat the shit out of uh, Shane. How'd you feel about the weird uh, noises Shane was making in the back? The weird noises were creepy, but also fuck this entire segment. Fuck this entire storyline. Moving Kevin Owens to SmackDown to do this storyline is probably the dumbest shit of all time. If you're not going to turn him face, you're going to have him go against a McMahon. You're going to have the McMahon constantly screw him over and then treat Kevin Owens like he's the heel it's just the dumbest fucking booking of all time. I'm sorry. I fucking hate everything about it. I'm sure they'll have a fine match because Shane McMahon will sell his ass off and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will carry the fucking match because they're fucking great. But fuck this. Like, fuck all of this, especially after that fast lane debacle. That's how I feel about it. God. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, though. It's Pretty ridiculous what they've what they've uh, put these guys through as far as uh, just kind of killing their character. But what are you gonna do? Um, I don't Not know. Suck. I, I, <laughs> like it. Book something better, <laughs> or at least I would love at least have the payoff, or at least have the payoff where KO turns against Shane McMahon, and Shane McMahon turns into a maniacal asshole. Like at least give us a payoff. That's what they could do better. I agree. No, I agree. Um, well, one thing that kind of relates to that is the change um, in going to a new, different location. I know Kevin Owens just made that jump to SmackDown, but we kind of got a confirmation on Raw between Sheamus and Cesaro, or at least they were joking around about dirt sheets. I don't know. Uh, I don't think they were trying to be that clever, but it made sound that there is going to be a shakeup after Mania. Um you know, we got three minutes, 30 seconds. Just real quick, Chris, who do you think could really use, and you could name a couple people, uh, a switch of, of uh, environments? I think Samoa Joe should go to SmackDown. You should leave AJ Styles where he's at. Then you get Samoa Joe, Nakamura. Uh, you get more of the indie, like move as many of the big indie guys as you can to SmackDown and move as many of the big name stars that you can to Raw. I think that's your switch. If you want someone that can just work in the ring, instead of moving like a Sami Zayn to Raw, move a uh, or 
instead of moving like Dolph Ziggler, move Sami Zayn, like switch those two off brands. So you have the guy that's there. You can do something with the Miz. Um, to me, breaking up Cesaro and Sheamus makes sense because Sheamus needs neck surgery. So I could definitely see Cesaro on SmackDown doing something really cool. Uh, but there's a lot of talent on SmackDown as well, and it's a two-hour show. So it just really depends on where they go. But I, I could I could also see Kevin Owens moving back to Raw, but hopefully they actually build him into a Stone Cold-esque character like they should have done a long time ago. Doubt they will. So we'll see. Yeah. No, I, I love those ideas. I think that's a great idea. I would even take it a step further. I mean, I know they'd have to do a lot of de- uh, love changes and condensing. But I would love it if they did a bunch of change up on the main roster for the mid-card titles, the main titles, and then said, screw it, we're going to be, and I mean, they've done this a million times, uh, condensing the tag titles and the women's title to one, doing some type of tournament or setting up maybe the two champions against each other, and just having the tag division and the women's division that are too small, I think, to be on two different shows split up is one mm-hmm. division and maybe do it that way instead. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Chris, we're getting towards the end of the show. I want you to be able to do whatever shout and goodbye to the people, of course. Um, and, yeah. Shout out to anyone listening. Uh, make sure you go check out the Beer City Bruiser interview as well as the Johnny Mundo interview if you haven't. That's up on Block Talk Radio for sure. And uh, I just hope everybody has a great week. All right, well, yep, uh, we had a great episode with you guys. Definitely going over a lot of WWE stuff. Uh, normally, we don't go so in-depth into SmackDown and Raw, but we're leading up literally a month into Mania, so this stuff is supposed to piece together in some way. But um had a lot of fun talking to my good friend, Christopher Ray Patton. Had a lot of fun talking to all of you guys. What's up? Oh, yeah! You guys have a great night. Yes! Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. it's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And that's the bottom line, Just Stone Cold Sesto. Peace out, guys. Have a good one.